0: How is everybody? Good. My normal music stand disappeared. This one is slightly crooked. Don't judge me. It's going to bother me enough. Yeah, you dang thief! I have my own. I'm a worship pastor. You can't trust those artsy people. That's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> My wife is very artsy. I will pay for that comment later. Uh, one of the things I, I want us to do tonight, I don't think I've ever made this plea before while, while up here, and that is, e- even if you are not normally a note taker, um, I'm, I'm going to ask, and I'm going to give you the time to do it, that you consider going back out and grabbing a, those, a sheet of the notes that are out there and you'll say, Tim, I saw the notes. They were blank. They are blank. There's a reason for that. Um, and you'll kind of see it as we go along. If you've got a notebook or something, that's great. If, if you're someone who says, I just remember stuff really well, then more power to you. You can just remember it really well. Wow. <laughs> I didn't anticipate that getting any response. <laughs> I thought you guys would just stare at me. This is going to go on the podcast later. For those of you on the podcast, a lot of people just walked out <laughs> to grab notes. While they're while they're doing that, I'll kind of start uh, a little bit here. In in preparing for this topic, uh, I, I want to admit to you that I feel felt uh, woefully inadequate. Uh, there are. Plenty of people in this room, in fact, I'd go so far as to say the vast majority of this room has been praying in some form or fashion longer than I have been a believer. And um, prayer is something that is is deeply personal. And if we were to to just survey the people in the room about what their own prayer practices are like, you know, if there are a hundred and... 10 people, 115 people in the room right now, we would probably get 110 or 115 different pictures, uh, different methods of praying in everybody's own life. And uh, everything that I read in leading up to this message, it was very clear that no one feels super comfortable treading into the waters of prayer, if you will. And that includes some of the most uh, godly, intelligent, uh, some of the the most wonderful pastors that Christianity has ever had, ever seen, um, feel very inadequate when they approach this subject. And as I was reading their stuff, I thought, this is weird, guys. It's just just prayer. But the more I got into it, the more I felt like, yeah, I totally understand what they're saying. And the closer that tonight got, the more I felt that way. And so uh, know that, I, am, I have plenty of room to grow here, and a lot of what we're going to talk about uh, over the next 45 minutes or so is incredibly applicable to me, and so uh, I'm right in the thick of this with everybody else. Uh, I long for my life as a believer, for my prayer life to be something that uh, is passionate to be something that, is, that I love to do and that I just get on my knees before the Lord and I cry out to Him. And um, I don't know that you ever arrive at a place in your own personal prayer life where you say, I've definitely got this all figured out. Uh, I think guys like Martin Luther, who um, those around him said he would pray multiple hours a day, um, every day, and that he would always talk about not feeling like he prayed enough. Um, I think you can, all, you can almost always feel that way, that you've got room to grow here. And so that's what I hope we're, we're here to do tonight. Um, if there are, again, 100 and some people in here, if, if 100 and whatever people took seriously the act of praying, it would be uh, life-changing for us as individuals, It would be community changing for us, both as a church and the community around us. It would be eternity changing for those who are far from the Lord. And it could be world changing for people. And so that's uh, kind of the vision, if you will. Um, And so we're going to dive into that. I want to just take a second and pray with you before we get started. And then we'll get going. God, thanks for tonight. Uh, I can't think of any... Better prayer than the chorus to that first song we sang. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every heart proclaim the mercy of your name on earth as it is in heaven. For the kingdom is yours and the power is yours and the glory forever. Amen. God, we long to see your kingdom expand and grow and rule and reign here on the earth. Lord, we long for every heart to proclaim the mercy of your name. And God, we know that we are not capable of achieving those things on our own. And so, God, we ask that your spirit would come. God, that your spirit would do that work. In the world around us, Lord, I ask tonight that your spirit would be here, would challenge us and encourage us. Lord, would take what we talk about and what we look at in scripture and implant it into our hearts in a way that is transformational in our lives and is transformational in our relationships with you. Lord, I pray that tonight is far far beyond the realm of intellectual head knowledge only, God, and just dives, cuts straight to the heart. God, we need your spirit in order for that to be the case. So would you come? Would you speak to us here uh, over the next 40 or 45 minutes? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I, I posted a little survey on Facebook that I got a number of responses to in regard to prayer, and uh, they were incredible. There were 10 or so that actually, you know, replied in the comments, but I probably got 25 or so personal messages um, of people answering the following questions. And so one of the reasons I wanted you to grab a piece of paper was because I actually want us to take five minutes and answer these Uh, each of us. And so if you want to write those answers down, you can. If you're a a holdout on the piece of paper, that's fine. You can answer them in your head. Um, Do you pray? Why or why not? When? Do you believe that prayer works? Why or why not? Just take a few minutes. You can write that down. Um, I'm not going to make anybody say their answers out loud. You can just work through that a minute or two uh, here on your own. I got some incredible responses. While you continue to write, I want to share a few of the things that that people said on these questions. Uh, There were a number of people, in fact, the vast majority of people said that they do pray. Uh, In fact, I was surprised by the amount of people who started the answer uh, to their question by saying, I don't consider myself religious, but I do find that at times... I'm drawn to pray. I don't exactly know what I'm praying to or who I'm praying to, but I know that there's something within me that longs to pray. And they couldn't really articulate why. They also couldn't really articulate whether or not they think prayer works. They just knew that they do it because when they get really scared or really sad or very difficult things happen in their lives, they're just drawn to the act of prayer. And they... Uh, that just like kind of drops out of them at times. In fact, one of the individuals that replied to me said that she doesn't know why, but she's not religious. She does pray when she gets really sad or really scared. And for some reason, it's incredibly emotional for her every time. That in the midst of her prayer, a very surprising emotion just comes rushing out of her in the midst of that. There was one uh, man who replied to me, In a message, and said that he's not really sure of like the logistics of prayer. Did God know I was going to pray for that thing? And so he was already knew he was already going to answer it, or like did my prayer actually affect what he was going to do? He said, I don't really know those kinds of things, but I guess I'm admitting that I do something I don't fully understand. And I thought that was incredibly poignant because I think we could all put ourselves in that boat, that we don't fully understand. Spoiler alert, over the next 40 minutes, I'm not going to be able to give you the answer to how that all plays out. Um, But it is important, and it does matter, and prayer absolutely works. And we're going to get to tackle this again. If you've looked ahead in the Sermon on the Mount, or you just know the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer is coming in like three weeks. So we're going to get two go-arounds at this. And I wanted the messages to have different thrusts. And so tonight, my goal is to be very, very practical. You may be here this evening in one of a few positions. You might pray diligently. You may even have the gift of intercessory prayer. To the point where you just can't help but pray all the time. You lose yourself in the act of prayer. You just totally lose track of time. You could be someone here who has grown in your discipline and routine of prayer Uh, to the point where you love it and look forward to it every day, but you wouldn't necessarily say that this is like a gift of mine. You might be someone who intellectually understands the need to pray, but you struggle to get that into the realm of actual practice and habit. You might be someone who's never really given a lot of thought to prayer. You might be someone who only prays when crisis arises. Or who you could be on the other side. I had a surprising number of people say that they only pray when really good stuff happens because it reminds them that they should be thankful. You might be someone who's a new believer and you're just kind of starting to pray and build some disciplines that help you regularly interact with Jesus. My hope is that wherever you are in the midst of this, there's something you can take away today that spurs you forward in your practice of prayer. And so to do that, I'm going to ask nine questions tonight. And kind of grouped into some different categories. The reason I wanted you to have a piece of paper is because... I could stand up here and give history's best teaching on the subject of prayer, and it would be mostly meaningless unless you take this and you reflect on it and you seriously consider your own habits and you allow the Spirit to really work this into your heart and and help you to grow in this practice. I can't make you pray. No one on our staff can make you pray, only the Spirit can do that, can bring that sort of change in your life. So my hope is that if you write down some of these questions, it gives you something to think about later. And it gives you something to reflect on, that you can pinpoint maybe one of these issues that I'm going to point out and questions I'm going to ask is really pertinent to you, and you can begin there. That's the hope. And so the first of those questions, the first clump of questions, the first four, all have to do with reasons why we don't pray. Uh, things that stop us, reasons we get held up, and the very, very root of those, I truly believe, is that uh, we've got to answer the question, do I know God? Do I know Him in a salvation sense is absolutely important. But beyond that, do I know who God is, His characteristics, His qualities? I'm going to kind of allow God to really make this point for us. And so if you've, if you've got your Bible, you've got your phone, I'm going to ask you to turn to Job chapter 38. We're going to read a pretty extended passage here in the book of Job. Here's, here's my point, though. You can't pray or fully see the need to pray if you don't know who you're praying to. You can't fully see the need to pray if you don't know that God is capable of the things that you're praying for, that God is worthy of the praise you're ascribing to him. Those things matter. And so we've got to know who he is. And this passage in Job is incredible because all throughout the book of Job up to this point, in the midst of his suffering and the difficulty of his circumstances, Job has been just crying out and appealing for like a a conversation with God. If you would just come down here and answer me, Lord, I could, I could explain to you why this suffering is unjust or I could explain to you why it is that my friends are wrong and some of the things they're saying to me. And then God shows up. And what he has to say is mind-blowingly powerful. And so just follow along with me. Like I said, we're going to read a chunk of this, uh, but I think it's going to drive home this point. Here we go. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the seas with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said thus far shall you come in no farther and here shall your your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place that it might take hold of the of the skirts of the earth, and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal, and its features stand out like a garment. From the wicked, their light is withheld, and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea, or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare, if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light, and where is the place of darkness, that you may take that you may take it to its territory and that you may discern the paths to its home. You know, for you were born then, and the number of your days is great. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or have you seen the storehouses of hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? What is the way to the place where the light is distributed or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth? Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain and a way for the thunderbolt to bring rain on a land where no man is on or where no man is, on the desert in which there is no man, to satisfy the waste and desolate land and to make the ground sprout with grass. We we getting the point? Job says, if you just gave me an audience, God, I would really, I'd really give you a what for. And God says, do you know who you're talking to? You understand who I am? Because if you understood who I am, you'd talk to me a little differently. That goes on for two full chapters, all the way through 38, all the way through 39. Then he starts back up in the middle of 40, and he goes all the way through 41. And if you flip over to Job 42, look at verse 2. Job responds, and he says, I know that you can do all things. And that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. By the time God is done speaking, Job says, I get it. I know who you are. So, my question tonight do you know God? Do I know God? really is one of, have I heard him speak? Because he's revealed himself fully. Everything that he wants us to know about who he is, he has said to us, it's been recorded, it's written down, we can read it, we can see it. Without knowing him, his power, his might, his love, his character, his promises, his grace, his mercy, we don't even know How to approach Him. Consider this. The most intimate relationship you have with anyone or with anything is the relationship you have with the Lord. When we think about intimate relationships, we think of our spouses or our future spouse. Maybe we think of our children. But no one knows you to the degree that the Lord does. He sees everything that you do. He knows every piece of you. And He's known you before He created you in your mother's womb. He's got every hair on your head numbered. He not only sees all of your actions, but all of your motivations. He not only hears all the things that you say, but he also knows all the things that you maybe would have said, but you caught before they got out of your mouth. And so often we approach him with a desire to just get like a cursory understanding of who he is. And it makes it really, really hard to pray to him. Thankfully, he's revealed himself fully in his word. He's, both fully, or he's made himself both fully known and fully knowable. And the first step in your growth in prayer with the Lord maybe getting to know him better thanks to his word. And so the first thing I want to challenge you with tonight is that maybe the holdup in your prayer is actually a problem with the word. That you've not ever taken the time to just get to know him to understand who he is. I think this plays itself out in a very practical way. Have you ever listened to the way that people pray? Have you ever just, it sounds weird, but somebody's praying and you're praying along, but you're also just hearing the words that they say. I do this all the time, so I'm calling myself out here as well, but we say just a lot. God, if you would just fill in the blank. God, if only you would just Do we understand who we're talking to? Like he doesn't want to just do things. God, if you would just, it's it's almost like we're begging him to do the bare minimum of the thing that we're asking. Paul, a man who knew the Lord very, very well, prayed the exact opposite way. He said, God, I'm praying that you would do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. And we approach God and we say, just do this thing, Lord, maybe if you've got time to get around to it the intimacy with which Paul knew God made it so that he could pray boldly and passionately and he could ask in all seriousness that God would do so much more than Paul could ever put words to. I think our very shallow understanding of who the Lord is leads us to think that maybe he doesn't care or maybe he's not listening or whatever the case might be and so we just, Throw things at it. We just, we just, we just. God, if you would just, Lord, just, right? Man, if we really understood who we're coming before, we would pray much bolder things because He's got the power to do much greater than what we're asking. He cares more deeply than we could ever imagine. So, one more time, do I know God? Here's the second question. Maybe the second reason why you don't pray is actually the inverse. Do I know myself? Sometimes our issue with prayer, I think, is much less about knowing who God is and much more about not having an accurate picture of ourselves. Put plainly, I think oftentimes we don't pray, people don't pray, because hiding beneath the surface of our belief and practice is the idea that we don't actually need to pray. Well, why would I pray and ask God for that? I can just do it myself. I'm actually in control of what's going on. And you would probably never say those words, but it's kind of lurking beneath the surface. We can accomplish all the things we really need to do in life. God doesn't really need to step in and help us in any sort of way. We're the master of our own universe. And I think even well-meaning, Bible-believing, Christ-trusting Christians can fall into this sort of practical atheism, if you will. That... I I understand who God is. I have placed my faith in Him. But in my daily practice, I actually live as though He doesn't matter, He's not there, and He doesn't care. Because I can handle this all myself. Flip back, if you're still in Job, go back to chapter 40. In the midst of kind of four chapters of God stating very clearly who He is to Job, Job gets in like two sentences Worth of response. In midway through God's description of himself, Job says, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once, and I will not answer twice. I will proceed no further. back in verse, or in chapter 42, verses 5 and 6, he said, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. We have to see ourselves rightly before the Lord if we're ever going to be able to come to Him in true prayer. So long as we think too highly of ourselves or too lowly of God, either one of these first two questions, we're never going to really enter into prayer. If kind of hiding Deep within my heart is this idea that I don't actually need the Lord to act on my behalf. Then why in the world would I ever pray to Him? It's never going to be something that becomes a passionate piece of who I am as a believer. The third question is this. Am I leaning into grace? Another reason we often get hung up and don't pray is because we don't feel worthy before the Lord. I've sinned too much today for God to listen to me. It's been too long since I last prayed. He's not going to hear me. I haven't had a quiet time in ages. I don't deserve to pray to God. We have to lean into grace when we pray, or we won't ever do it. We have to understand that Jesus has paid the price for our sin. And that we can come into the presence of the Father clean and holy in God's sight because of the work of Jesus on our behalf. And once you understand who God is, that he's holy and righteous and perfect and loving and just, and who you are that you're sinful and broken, we have to rely on the fact that Jesus stands as our mediator between us and God. If you want to jot a little note down, Hebrews 9 and 10 gives us the perfect description of this. That Jesus is this great high priest. And the the two chapters there can be a little confusing to understand, but what The author is explaining is that the Israelite people understood that the only person who could go into the Holy of Holies and offer the sacrifices that were necessary to the Lord was this high priest. If anybody else went in there, they would die. In fact, even the high priest, they tied a rope around his ankle and some bells were on his garment. And if he dropped dead in there, they could pull him out. Nobody else could go in there and get him, though, because they would drop dead, too. It was the Holy of Holies. No one else could go in. And the author of Hebrews is saying, Christ is now your great high priest. He allows everyone who's put their faith in him direct access to the Father. No one else has to step in and do that for you. You don't need me. You don't need T.A. or Jim or Libby or Catherine or anyone else. If you've put your faith in Christ, he stands as your mediator before the Lord. And we've got to trust that. We need to have a good understanding of who God is. We've got to have a good understanding of who we are. But even understanding our sinfulness and our brokenness, we've got to see that Jesus stands as our mediator there. And we've got to lean into that grace. Just as God the Father looked down on Jesus and was well pleased, if we've put our faith in Him, He looks down on us and feels the same way. This should give us great confidence in His presence. And if you're struggling to pray, ask yourself, Am I trusting in the grace of Jesus? Am I leaning into His grace? Fourth question, last one on this topic of some reasons why we don't pray. This is maybe the most practical and it's very simple. Am I making time? Luke 11, you don't have to flip there necessarily, has what is a shorter version of the Lord's Prayer. The disciples come to Jesus there in Luke chapter 11. They ask him to teach them how to pray. Jesus begins his response with three words. When you pray. Not if you pray. Not sometimes you should think about praying. But when you do it, Jesus presupposes that they're going to. That they're going to carve out some time. That they're going to get before the Lord. And that they're going to pray. We have to make time. We have to be intentional. You've got to set aside space and a place. It's one of the things that's so powerful about the movie War Room is that they, you know, they make this, they clear out an area in their house. They make this closet. They go into there. They dedicate the time to it. And you walk away thinking to yourself, I'm going to do those things. I'm going to make some time. I'm going to create some space. And the difficulty is actually getting over the inertia of sitting still, if you will. It requires the most force to get something moving. Then once you've got it going, it's a little easier because you've got momentum on your side. But going from not praying to just starting to pray is the most difficult step. You've got to create time and space for it. Throughout the history of Christianity, this has been done in various forms You can can read about uh, groups of Christians who would designate specific times throughout the day to pray. They would say, hey, you pray at 7 a.m., you pray at noon, and you pray at 7 p.m. or something. At various times, there have been uh, what's called divine hours. You know, people pray over meals, those sorts of things. The bottom line is you've got to create the space to do it. It's, It's not about the method necessarily or the timing. It's about creating the window for it. Even Jesus had to create time and space to pray. You frequently see him throughout the Gospels retreating from the crowds in order to pray. Just hours before his arrest, he heads off into the Garden of Gethsemane in order to create space to pray. Let me address another point here on this topic. It's easy to give ourselves a pass here to say, our culture is so busy, my job is so demanding, the kids have so many activities, I just, I can't do it. There isn't enough time. And I, I want to affirm all of those things. Your job probably is very busy. Your kids are likely overextended. We live in a suburban world. That's what we do to our kids. What's what we allow them to do to themselves. But what if I walked into your house I removed the following items. Your television, your computer, the iPad with your Netflix account, and your cell phone. Would there suddenly be time to pray? I can stand here confidently and tell you that if you came into my house and took those things away from me, I would have plenty of time to pray. And I would be the first one to line up and say that I'm a very busy person. But you can go into my phone and you can click on this little thing that shows my battery usage over the last week and an embarrassing number of hours are spent on my phone. If you took it away, I would have plenty of time to pray. I recently saw just uh, the other day that there was a pastor who... Tweeted, I believe it was John Piper. He said one of the great uses of Facebook and Twitter is going to be to show us on the last day that we didn't, that we weren't simply too busy to pray. Tim Keller in his book called Prayer gives this incredible example, um, kind of illustration from his own life of when this reality became real to him. He and his wife live in New York, they pastor a church there, and they just come through a run of three very significant events in their life: 9-11. His wife was really struggling with the onset of Crohn's disease, and he had just come through thyroid cancer treatment. And I'm going to read to you, it's kind of a lengthy paragraph, but this is what his wife said to him one night. She said, Imagine you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you that you would die within hours unless you took a particular medicine, a pill, every night before going to sleep. Imagine that you were told that you could never miss it or you would die. Would you forget? Would you not get around to it some nights? No. It would be so crucial that you would never forget. You would never miss. Well, if we don't pray to God, we're not going to make it because of all we're facing. I'm certainly not. We have to pray. We can't just let it slip our minds. I think we can all resonate with that. If we actually saw prayer as a necessity... We would make time to do it. In a similar vein to this, I I saw another pastor uh, in an online sermon ask his congregation the following, What if I told you that I would give you $1,000 for every verse you memorize over the next 30 days? Would you suddenly have time to memorize Scripture? Stop using time as the excuse when the reality is one of priority. The same is true with prayer. So before we move on, let me ask again, Ask yourself again. If you're someone who says, I just struggle to pray in general. I don't pray very much. One of the questions to ask yourself going forward from tonight is, am I making time? Am I creating space for it? Good with those? All right, we're going to go to another category of questions. And it's, uh, they fall under kind of, here are some ways we get stagnant. So if these were, first four were reasons we don't pray, The next two are ways that we get stagnant. If you drive uh, over to 152, you go west, you take a right on Flintlock, and you go as far as Flintlock goes there to 96th Street. When you get down there, right in front of you is Montclair, the neighborhood. They've got a pond out front there. If you drive by that pond in late July all the way through October, it's so stagnant you could walk across it. It's hideous. I can't imagine the smell if you got down close to it. You guys know what pond I'm talking about? It's unbelievable. There's no movement on that thing. I don't know what happens. They need to put one of those little fountains in there. Um, Sometimes we arrive at this place in our prayer life. We just get stagnant. And then it drives us away from wanting to do it. It doesn't feel like it's fruitful. It doesn't feel like it's getting us anywhere. There's no movement in it. And so we we just give up. Maybe you're in that place tonight. I've got two questions for you to ask yourself. The first is, am I locked into one type of prayer? The Bible is full of prayers of all sorts. The book of Psalms alone contains prayers of praise, prayers of adoration, prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of confession, prayers of of repentance, prayers of petition and supplication. More often than not, we approach God in the form of petition. We have things that we want, on behalf of ourselves or on behalf of our family or friends or people that we know. And so we come to the Lord with a request. There's nothing wrong with that. The Bible makes it clear that asking the Lord for things is a good thing. But there's more available than that. There's a deeper experience of prayer than merely coming to God and asking Him to meet our needs with various requests. In fact, I would go so far as to say that we can get stagnant if that's all we do. Here's part of the trouble. Typically, we allow the reality of our circumstances to dictate our prayer instead of allowing the reality of God to dictate our prayer. When my circumstances get bad enough, I pray. When the circumstances in the life of one of my friends gets bad enough, I pray. When something really good happens, I pray. When I just have a string of normal days, I don't pray. That's allowing our circumstances to dictate our prayer instead of allowing the reality of who God is and who the gospel is to drive our prayer. We can get one dimensional in that way. When we're instead inspired by the character of God and by the reality of the gospel, then our prayers get this beautiful kind of depth and motivation and passion to them. And so driven by God's character, we should pray in kind of multifaceted way. When we understand who God is, we can't help but want to spend time praising and adoring Him. Maybe that seems weird to you. Like, why would I need to spend time telling God how wonderful He is? Doesn't He already know it? I would say to you this, this to you, men, you'll understand this very well. Does your spouse know that you love them? Does your wife know that you think she's beautiful? Some mornings, don't you just tell her on the way out the door anyway because you want to tell her again? You want to make sure that she knows? Offering praise and adoration to the Lord is similar. Does he need to hear you tell him that he's holy and perfect? No, he knows that. But when we are confronted with who he is, we should do it anyway. Here's a practical way to do it. Maybe you, can, you should jot this down. You've spent some time in the Word. Most of, the, most of us in our quiet times, we spend some time reading the Bible. You've spent some time there. You saw something about God, something about yourself... Uh, And you you take a little time after you spent your time in Bible study moving into prayer. And to bridge the gap from studying the Word to praying, take what you've read and reflect on what it taught you about who God is and praise Him for it. Maybe for 10 days in a row you're reading in the book of Romans and you just realize that God is gracious. Tell Him 10 days in a row. There's nothing wrong with that. Maybe you're reading, you're doing like a year-long reading plan and for a few days you're in one of the prophet books and you just see God over and over being patient and not bringing judgment on the Israelite people. As you move into a time of prayer, spend time praising Him for being patient. He was patient with them and He didn't just send them into exile right away. He's patient with us. He's patient with us as believers when we fail. He's patient with us before we're believers and we don't have our faith in Him. Spend some time praising Him for that. It doesn't have to be long, a couple, couple minutes, a minute, and then move forward in your time of prayer. And once you understand from Scripture who God is and you praise Him for it, it should probably bring into focus a little bit of who you are. God, you are incredibly patient, and Lord, I am not. And you can spend some time in confession. God, you are incredibly gracious, and Lord, yesterday at work, I did not extend grace to my coworker or to my supervisor or to the person that I supervise when I should have. And now you're in a position to offer some confession and some repentance. We always fall short. There's always something for us to be confessing to the Lord. And we're able to lean into the grace of that. In fact, when we ignore this, I think it allows sin to fester in our heart a little bit. J.C. Ryle says, that sin will never stand firm, which is heartily prayed against. When you're seeing the reality of who God is and where you fall short and you're praying against your sin, you're going to make some headway there because the Spirit is going to empower you. Finally, you can end your time here by thanking God for all the things that you have, for the way that he has blessed you, for his goodness to you in the midst of your sin, for his goodness in the work of Jesus on the cross. And then if you've got prayers and petitions and things that you want to bring before the Lord, go ahead and bring them. That's that's wonderful. But if your prayer is driven by who God is and what that says about you, you're always going to be learning something about God. It will always be clarifying something about you and it will help your prayer from getting stagnant. We've got to be willing to do more than just sit down and get our prayer list out and check them off and then move on with our time. That's, that's the way that we get stagnant. It doesn't have to follow this pattern I laid out every day. There's no need to be rigid about it, but I think the routine could be helpful. Are you locked into one kind of prayer? Am I locked into one kind of prayer? Maybe that's why we're stagnant. The next one is, do I need to grow in my persistence? Persistence. You can jot down in your notes Luke 18. You can go and read that. It's the parable of the persistent widow. It's in there. There's something here about the persistence of the widow that absolutely matters. Oftentimes, we've got our prayer list. We have this thing that we want to bring before the Lord, and we work our way through it one time, and then we move on. Somebody said, hey, I have this thing going on. Will you pray for me? You said yes. You would feel guilty if you didn't do it. So the next day you pray for it, and then you say, whew, clear conscience. I did that thing I said I was going to do. We don't really wrestle with the Lord and with our own hearts in prayer. We don't take the same item back to Him repeatedly oftentimes. In my Facebook encounter, I had somebody who said they finally got an answer to a prayer that they've been praying for five years. Five years. I very rarely pray for something five days in a row. There are two issues here that I think we need to acknowledge. How does the whole prayer thing actually work? What are the the metaphysics of it? That's what somebody called it on my Facebook wall. It's a great question. No one really has a solid answer. In His providence, God has worked into the world a desire for His people to pray. Do those prayers change His mind? No one really knows. Maybe. Is it that He longs to give us things but only will do so if we ask? No one really knows. Maybe. Maybe. Is he conducting all of the world's affairs? Does he already know that we're going to pray and thus he's taken that into account beforehand? I don't know, maybe. What we do know is that he longs for us to pray. It's that beautiful description that the person gave me on Facebook. I don't fully understand it, but I do it anyway. And then here's the second part of that. What about the times I've wrestled with God over something Didn't give up on it. I was persistent and it didn't work out the way I wanted. In all of our prayer, we have to lift our desires to God with a view toward his ultimate wisdom. Jesus was the perfect example of this. In the garden, he wrestles with God all night to the point of sweating blood over the prospect of going to the cross. And the portion of that prayer that's recorded for us in scripture is so poignant and it's so instructive. He prays, Father, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. The end of the matter here, something that we all need to think about and and remember through the course of our lives is that God is either going to give you the thing you pray for or he's going to give you the thing you would have prayed for if you knew everything that he did. He'll give you the thing you prayed for or he'll give you the thing you would have prayed for if you knew everything he did. At various points uh, in my life before I got married, I was dating someone, and for a period of time I thought they were the one. And then when that relationship went sour, I prayed that it would come back. Had I known that the Lord was saving my wife for me out there, I'd have prayed something different. I just didn't know everything. He'll either give you what you prayed for Or what you would have prayed for if you'd have known everything that he knows. So, do we need to grow in our persistence? The last three questions here fall into the following category. they are opportunities to grow. Maybe you're someone who's got a great prayer life. You've got a good routine. You feel pretty good about it. But you're always looking for ways to grow in that a little bit. Here are three questions to ask yourself. Do I engage in prayer with others? Part of what it is to be Christian is to be in community. We should be working out who God is, how the gospel impacts our lives, how it should look as we live that out. We should be figuring that out in community with others. That's why small groups are so important. That's why the church is so important. That's why it's really not possible to live the Christian life in a cave by yourself. The same is true for prayer. In Acts, we see that when the believers in Jerusalem came together, part of what they did, among other things, was dedicated themselves to prayer. Again, We don't know exactly how it works or why, but there's something powerful about believers praying together. I was in the first week of the Engage class recently, just four weeks ago, and someone raised their hand and he asked the following question, is this a church that really values prayer? I very quickly said, yes, because why would you say no? (laughs) And I really thought about it over the course of like the next week. And I could think of some groups here at our church that pray a lot. We have an intercessory team. If you fill out a card, uh, a prayer card, it goes to that team. And I have no doubt that they labor over those things in prayer. No doubt about it. Our staff spends time praying. There's a group of grandmas that pray Together over their grandkids and over their lives. There are moms that pray. But is it really important to us? Do we really value it? I think we do, but as a church collectively, we only value something as much as all of our individuals participate in it. That makes sense? I could stand up here all I want. Kim could have stood up here all he wanted. Anybody of our various staff members, and we could talk about prayer. A thousand times. But if we're not engaged in it as a congregation, do we really value it? Maybe not. Maybe we say we do, but we actually don't. Hear me say this. I think we could do better. I think we do a good job with prayer, but I think we could do better. And it's something that I want to commit to going forward for us in the coming days. I don't know exactly what that looks like at the moment, but I'm thinking about it and I want to take it seriously. What's it look like for us to be a church that really values prayer, builds ourselves upon it? There's an incredible story about um, Charles Spurgeon, and it's that these five college kids were on a a break from school, so they were spending uh, some time in London, and they they wanted to go hear Spurgeon teach on a Sunday morning. So they walked up to the church, but they were early, and the doors were locked, and they couldn't get in, and a, a man came to the front door, and they explained who they were, and he said, let me show you the church, and they thought, okay, that's cool, we'll just take a tour. And they went and they saw the sanctuary. They, they saw some various things. And then finally the person said, do you want to see where we heat it? And they were like, like the boiler room? And so this man began taking them downstairs. And they went down the stairs and sure enough, they get to the end of the hallway and there's this doorway and they're thinking, he's, this man is literally going to show us the boiler. And they swung the door open and it was just a plain room and there were hundreds of people inside praying. And the, the elderly gentleman said, I'm Charles Spurgeon. This is where we heat the church. That's valuing prayer. It was a Sunday morning, early before their service started and hundreds of people had gathered to pray for that church. That's a beautiful picture. Yeah. We do value prayer here at Liberty Christian Fellowship, but I think we could do better in our practice of that. I think it could play itself out a little bit better in our lives, in, our, in the life of our church. And so I'm, I want us to commit to that going forward. Two more questions. Do I need to adjust my routine? Maybe you've been trying to pray in the morning and man, it's just hard. Sometimes I fall asleep. Maybe you should try to move that into a different time. Maybe you could try praying Scripture. There are tons of wonderful prayers in Psalms. There are wonderful prayers throughout Scripture that, that we can pray because they articulate wonderful things about who God is. Uh, I recently ordered a book. It's called Valley of Vision, if you want to jot that down. It's recorded Puritan prayers. And uh, it's a couple hundred pages long. There's a different prayer on every page. They're put by topic so that you can find something, what you're wanting to pray for and pray that prayer. I haven't made it off the introduction page because the first one I was telling my wife is like beyond what my soul could handle in the moment. It's just so deep and so beautiful. So maybe you could utilize a resource like that. Maybe you could pray through the book of Psalms. And there's a great book that would guide you through that. It's called The Song of Jesus. It's by Tim Keller and his wife Kathy. Maybe you could get something like Operation World and spend time reading about a country, praying for that country. It lists the needs within there, how the gospel is advancing there. Um, If you've got a mission heart, but haven't felt like the Lord has called you to go, ordering that book Operation World on Amazon would give you an easy way to engage in prayer. Maybe change your routine a little bit, give you an opportunity to grow. Here's the last one. Should I be engaging in opportunities to pray for this church, for this community, and for the world? Like I said, we have an intercession team. If you want to be a part of that, we would love for you to do that. Maybe you want to be engaged in prayer for one of our staff members or the church as a whole. And uh, you want to put together a group of people that would want to do that. Let's talk about it. Maybe you just really, really love Jim Stites and you're burdened for him because he spends a lot of time with 12 to 14-year-olds. And quite frankly, you think he needs prayer. He would probably love to give you a list of prayer requests and know that you're praying on his behalf. Any one of our staff members would love that. Maybe there's some particular need within our community that you want to be praying about or some particular need for the nation or for the world as a whole and you'd like to gather some people together and pray for that, do it. That'd be a great opportunity to grow. Maybe your small group could be actively engaged in regularly praying for one of our families on the Western Asia team or for Suko, or for Lisa Nishimura or for our partner church in Haiti and you can make that an integral part of your group. There are nine questions there. This time together will be as effective as your reflection on some of those questions going forward from here. Uh, Some of those might resonate with you. Some of those positions, do I just not pray? And maybe these are some reasons why. Am I stagnant? Do I want to grow? Um, And you could dive into one of those questions in the coming days. If you want resources on some of those, hey, Tim, I just need to understand who God is a little bit better. I can point you in the direction of some of those. Any of our staff members could, and we would love to do that. We're going to worship. Brian, I went over. I'm sorry. It's, I blame you for taking my stand. <laughs> um, we're going to spend some time.